0: Welcome to The Sparkling Podcast, where you will meet young minds making a large impact one idea at a time. This is Ashna Reddy, your host. Back in 2017, the UN Department of Economic and Social Affairs reported that the world will see an increase of over 2 billion people in the next 30 years. So the problem that many scientists are trying to solve is this. How can we produce enough food, or rather enough nutritious food, to feed the increased number of people predicted to live on this planet 30 years from now? Katie Murphy is a fourth-year PhD student at UC Davis studying corn in Philip Zerbe's lab. Judged by a panel with leaders from the industry, government, and higher education, Katie recently won the UC Grand Slam competition where masters and PhD students across all University of California campuses present their research in three minutes to engage the public in their work. She presented on the idea of food for tomorrow, Luckily, I was able to be in conversation with her to ask her which questions and thoughts circled her mind to start creating a solution to this problem.
1: We as a society need to figure out how do we grow more food? How do we grow healthy food? And how do we do all of this using less resources? Because we all have to share this planet. There's a finite amount of land and water um, and nutrients. And so how can we actually grow food using less land?
0: Keeping those questions and thoughts in mind, here's the unique angle Katie took to solve the issue.
1: So what I study is how corn makes chemicals naturally in itself to protect itself against stress. And I'm trying to understand what those chemicals are, how they're produced naturally, and really what they're doing with the hope that this knowledge will help us grow more food in the future. When you think about a field of corn roughly 10% of that field, depending on where you are, will die because of disease or other stressors. So what I do is understand how corn, and ultimately this helps us understand other plants, how they protect themselves. So the idea is that if we can make plants that are stronger, able to produce chemicals to protect themselves, we can grow more food using the same amount of
0: resources. Now, last time I checked, plants don't have the capability to become stressed. So with this in mind, I asked Katie if she could go in a little more depth as to how plants get stressed.
1: So just like you and I get stressed out, plants do too. And so stress can be disease. So disease can come from bacteria or fungi that can kill the plant and it can contaminate it with toxins that are harmful for us to eat. Or if they don't have enough nutrients, don't have enough water, this makes plants really stressed out, makes them produce less food and oftentimes die.
0: As an undergraduate student at Stanford University, Katie joined a lab which studied corn to avoid working in an office building. Now, Katie is commonly known as the corn queen among her peers. And you might be thinking, so what? But wait when you hear what Katie's research shows about the vegetable.
1: One, it's incredibly important. Across the world, corn is one of the most top three consumed crops. It's the number one grown crop in the United States. We eat so much corn. Um, And if you don't think you ate corn today, you ate something that ate corn. If you ate any meat, um, most of our uh, livestock eat corn. Or you ate something with a corn product. So corn is important for ethanol, for fuels, and all sorts of food additives, especially sugar. So we eat a lot of corn, so it's really important. It's also really nice to study because we have a lot of genetic tools that we can better understand corn. So I've really been happy to pursue this as the crop that I'm interested in, and we can apply the lessons from corn to other plants later on.
0: So obviously corn is one, if not the most superior vegetable, but is what Katie doing to the corn plants considered genetically modifying the plant? And is that a viable and healthy solution for us as humans in the future?
1: So my solution for food for the future right now is just about understanding. So I'm hoping to build knowledge about how plants may naturally help themselves against stress, right? What genes are involved? What is the biochemistry that's happening there? I'm looking for an understanding. Ultimately, to apply this knowledge, we can do so in many ways. Some of them might be genetic modification and some of them might not be.
0: So clearly at this point, Katie is trying to develop an understanding of the plants before executing any method of application. But Katie did give an explanation of what the different methods could be, one being genetically modifying.
1: For example, for corn, we can breed corn to have higher levels of these molecules. This would be traditional breeding and wouldn't be genetic modification. And in other cases, we might try genetic modification. Of course, first starting in the lab where everything is protected and locked up so it cannot get out into the environment. And then for something genetically modified, it would take many years for it to reach a field because we wanna make sure it's safe for the environment and safe for consumers to eat. So an example of this might be if we wanted to take the interesting chemicals that I study in corn and put them into tomato or another plant. What we could do is we could move genes from corn into tomato and test this in the lab. This would be genetically modified because it would be taking a gene from one organism and putting it into another. Now, unfortunately, we cannot breed corn and tomatoes together, they're not compatible, so we can't do this through traditional breeding. That might be a route we might take if we wanted to do genetic modification. Now, another route that would be uh, not genetically modified would be gene editing. Gene editing is a new technology and technique that does not involve the transfer of genetic material from one organism to another. Rather, we can actually go in and selectively edit a certain gene. We can cause a mutation. So what this does is in nature, there are mutations that happen all the time, right? We see this because we all look a little bit different. We have lots of variation in our genetics. We cause by mutagens such as specific wavelengths of light or other other compounds. What happens naturally, and that's how we have genetic variation, genes get mutated. And so gene editing causes a mutation, but in a select gene. So we have technology now. The most recent one is CRISPR technology which we can go in and edit a specific gene. This allows us to make one specific mutation rather than making many across the genome over time. And from there, we can actually breed plants based on gene editing. So this is a new technology that it's not considered GMO. Um, So my solution is right now to understand how plants work. And if we deploy this, we might be able to use a gene editing. So to edit genes, say in corn, to change the amount of the molecules that are made to make it more resistant to stress. We might do it in other organisms, too. Or we might try gene modification, so taking a gene from one plant to another, from corn to, say, tomato.
0: Throughout the solution process, Katie faced challenges and went ahead and shared some of them.
1: Um, So as a graduate student, I faced many challenges. Science never goes as planned, and it always takes longer than you think it will. So sometimes experiments go wrong uh, because they just don't work. Sometimes they just take a lot longer than might be expected. So I think just the downsides of science, which are still fun, there's still interesting things that happen, but sometimes it doesn't go as planned. Another big challenge that me and many plant biologists face is people's fear around gene editing and genetic modification of plants. So people are often misinformed and think that what we're doing is not safe or that it's not done for the right causes, making sure that it gets to people who really need them. Um, And I think that's misinformation. And so we're working really hard on our outreach efforts to help people really understand what do I do in the lab? You know, what is gene editing? What is genetic modification? and why is it safe? You know, where's the evidence, the scientific evidence that we can show people that it's safe? Because it's there. but We're trying to help people understand so that there's no longer fear around the technologies that we hope to develop.
0: Since Katie is trying to create a solution for food for the future, I wanted to know if she felt that something else had to be done in order to expedite the process.
1: And so I think what needs to happen is, one, we need to educate everyone on the new technologies that are coming out and are making. Educate people on how to properly make healthy food, eat healthy, and also not waste food so that we can reduce some of our food waste. And in general, get everybody on board. Uh, More people who wanna do science, the better, the more we're gonna find, and the faster we're gonna find solutions.
0: To get a better understanding of how all of Katie's research came about, I asked Katie what she needed in the beginning.
1: So none of this was done by myself. Uh, All of this has always been a team effort. So as a graduate student, um, I joined the lab of Dr. Philip Zerbe at UC Davis. And having a lab to work in is totally essential for me to do this research. Funding from the National Science Foundation, or the NSF, and the U.S. Department of Agriculture, so USDA, has been critical to funding me. Um, The best part about graduate school is I actually get my tuition paid for and I get a stipend paid for because I'm doing work to help further research. Um, So I'm really thankful for those funding agencies, which come from tax dollars. So thank you to everyone for paying your taxes. You're advancing the future of food and other science in the world, Um, but also all the people. So there's many, many people we're all working together, including people in my lab, undergraduate, other graduate students, postdoctoral scholars, and of course my professor and scientists everywhere, right? We all really team up to try to make these global solutions where we piece together each of our knowledge to make something better
0: and here's Katie's overall vision.
1: So I hope that the overall impact of my research will be a piece to a solution. So I'll probably just be a sliver of knowledge in the, the great libraries of the world, but perhaps that sliver of knowledge with many others will help us to grow more food. Um, what I envision is corn that grows using less pesticides and less herbicides because it's naturally stronger, naturally more resistant to disease. And so my vision is us all to be able to eat Across the world, people having enough food to eat and having healthy food to eat, grown in a way that is actually sustainable, so using less land and hopefully less resources.
0: As mentioned previously, Katie won the UC or University of California-wide Grand Slam competition in which she had to present a three-minute talk about her research that had to be non-technical for a very general audience. And for any listeners wanting to start something, here is her advice for pitching
1: my advice to anyone who's doing really any sort of public speaking or having to give a pitch on something they're working on is to practice. Practice, practice, practice. For a three-minute talk, I practiced for hours. Really practiced in front of friends and family and got their feedback, reduced all of the jargon, reduced all of the text on slides, and kept things simple. Kept it as an emotional connection to the audience and really trying to explain what I'm doing in simple terms so that anyone can understand it. And I think that's good advice is to just practice and keep it simple. And you'll probably be able to give an excellent pitch.
0: In the current stage, Katie is continuing to investigate the chemicals that corn makes to defend itself from stress, focusing on what they are doing and how they are doing it, to eventually use that knowledge to make stronger crops that are nutritious enough to ultimately feed the growing population. Thank you for supporting this podcast and please subscribe so you don't miss a new episode every Wednesday. You can also follow this podcast for regular updates on Twitter and Instagram at SparklinkPod, all lowercase.